High Nights. Salutations and welcome to High Nights, an anchor podcast dedicated to creative world building and conversation while indulging in soft drugs. This podcast is recommended for listeners over the age of 18. Viewer discretion is advised. My name is Ross, your host, a game master with over seven years of experience in homebrew tabletop games for Dungeons and Dragons, other systems included. I am joined by my best friend Dakota, a clever player who found a new passion for the game. We hope to create new ideas and share them with you all. Please feel free to borrow from us and spread the wonder of tabletop roleplay. Thanks for listening, and let's get into the episode. Welcome back to High Nights. This is Ross, and I'm joined here with my best friend, Cody. How are you doing today, Cody? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited about this episode. (laughs) Love it, love it. So, last time we convened, you and I were just chilling out, and we agreed that we were going to create a unique monster, like just go off the board, do something truly unique in our own ideas. It would be a CR7 monster, kind of on par with like a Mind Flayer strength at all, a good big bad to show for your parties. And then we were also going to make a magical item to couple with this monster. So it's more like a CR9 level encounter at the end of things. I am pretty impressed with what I got. <laughs> I got a crazy monster that's going to piss off all your players. What do you think your monster is going to do? So mine, I think, is going to be a lot of fun for the players for a while, but it's made to get really annoying later. It's a reoccurring monster. That's all I'll say. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's it's one or more encounters, right? Uh, preferably a lot of encounters. Ooh. He doesn't, I don't know if I wanted him to be like the big bad. Or uh, if he was just going to be a monster you can include in the game for like a fuck down or whatever. That's right. But it's a lot of fun. Really different perspectives then because my monster was actually designed to be more of an underling or sort of like an endemic lesser creation so that you could have bigger bads later down the line and the enemies you would face in your game would be something not really common for a Dungeons and Dragons player to face. Yeah. All right. uh, Who's going first? Me or you? You. Me? You've got all the experience here. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I will take the first blow. I shall throw down the gauntlet as the High Knight would. (laughs) So, my monster, let me give you a little bit of backstory, actually. So, in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons for contemporary lore, there's different planes, there's different, like, realms. There's the astral plane, and then you have, like, the hells we've talked about before. There's also the celestial plane of existence where all the gods are from. And I was sitting here theory crafting and trying to figure out how can I make an evil celestial creature? Like, I want a monster that comes from the angelic planes just to kind of throw a new spice at life because no one ever fights angels or things like that. You have angels and unicorns and stuff like that inside the Dungeon Master's uh, monster manual, but they never see play at all. They only ever come up if they're like an ally or a benefactor, and that's kind of rare as is. So my creature, originally they were a lesser order of angels. They used to be called the Metrars. They're kind of a step below the Devas. The Metrars were like mediators or lesser angels that uh, filed and accorded different things among the Celestials. And uh, when the Hells were created, when uh, devils and angels started to war with each other, all of the angels in their ranks were called to fight and oppose them. 
and the Metrars were uh, these angels that hesitated at that point. They started to make all these questions. They would ask the gods, well, why are we doing this? Why can't we learn from them or maybe partner with them possibly? And because they challenged the higher divinity, it was just an off-passing comment, but they had insulted the celestials like Moradin, Bahamut, whatever god you would imagine. Yeah. Because they made this insult, they were twisted in form to resemble demons, yet they were still celestials. It's like a bastardization of an angel in a sense. So my creatures, they're actually, uh, I call them horned hunters. If you want to imagine what this creature looks like, uh, I would say that it has the chest, shoulders, and arms of a man, but it has the head of a goat and then also uh, the tail of a serpent. So a lot of classic biblical demon stuff yeah. going on here, just kind of like a crazy, evil-looking monster, and that's what its normal form looks like. Interesting. The fun thing about the Horned Hunters, though, is that they're still angels technically. They've just been kicked out of the celestial realm, and they rue that. They want to get back at other celestials, so they've banded together with others of their kind, of their credo, and they have on the material realm started to collect and consume horns from monsters and beasts and other creatures that they find. Partly because when they ingest the calcium, like the keratin, from the horn of a creature, they absorb any magical properties associated with it. So like, the horn hunter that I have for you is called the Unihorn Lord because it's a celestial that it ate multiple unicorn horns and then created them out of its body. Like, it has three horns coming out the top of its forehead in a triad. And it's kind of stolen this celestial power so that it can try to break back into the celestial realm and fight the gods itself. So it's just a fun spin to throw at your enemy characters because paladins and clerics are geared to fight undead and fiends all the time, but you're fighting a lawful evil celestial. Yeah, so you don't, yeah, what do you do? That's pretty cool. Right, the, that's just like the lore breakdown, but um, the Horned Hunters, the main one, the CR7 monster is called the Unihorn Lord. And this is a really crazy creature. Essentially, they're designed to hunt things, so they always have spells on command like uh, locate creature, they have long strider, detect magic, detect good and evil. They are built to hunt and hone in on things. So these monsters might be sent from a malign divine to attack the party if they're ever interceding or if the ally's trying to protect an angel from harm, like a wounded angel, maybe these horned hunters were sent along the way to try and destroy them before yeah. they could gain any more power back. The fun thing about the Unihorn Lord is that it actually has multiple different abilities, kind of like a cleric. Like, it can healing touch, it can heal another creature that it touches uh, three times per day as an action. Okay. It has that, it's got magical resistance, uh, it has some innate spell casting, like I mentioned before. And uh, the other thing is that its main tactic, when the Unihorn Lord zeroes in on its prey, if the challenge is too difficult for it to handle alone, it will summon four, up to four lesser hunters, and these are called beast horned, horned hunters. The beast horned are a lesser order of them that have only been able to eat generic monsters. So a beast horned is like, they've eaten goats and sheep and rams, and they've grown those horns all over their bodies. 
but uh, they haven't gotten any magical horns yet, so they're really weak CR1 monsters. Gotcha. Uh, the Unihorn Lord sends these lesser versions of itself to go and harry and harass the prey, and then they themselves provide support from the sidelines. Like, they can hold monster to oh. keep someone in place. They can heal their allies. I think it's going to be a bitch of a monster to fight, yeah. just because it's supplying so much support to itself. That's really the crux of it. Yeah. That's what I have there today. <laughs> oh, I, I have these whole stat blocks here. I wish I could share them. I wish I could show them. Like, we gotta get a website together or something yeah. so that we can post all this online. Okay, I made a bunch of stat blocks in mine too, so we definitely have to do that. Did you now? Okay. I did actually. I'm gonna take a toke now because that was a lot off my chest. Do it. So, your uh, angels, are they still sided with the angelic side like they're being sent by other angels or are they a whole separate faction so they're a separate faction these these horned hunters they're a lawful evil celestial they have been shunned by the higher orders and in fact because they wanted to learn from devils and things like that they might be contracted by a, a demon lord or a lord of the nine hells to do their dirty work for them specifically because they can slip under the radars for fiend and undead detecting technology like okay. they're they're a little bit rare or unheard of but they're really good at their job like this monster is actually more of a player hunter you might say that uh, maybe there's a paladin or a cleric with divine protection put on them but the god putting that protection on the paladin is the sworn enemy of these metrars of these horned hunters yeah. then as that player is adventuring through the world, they have multiple encounters where the Horned Hunter catches up with them, summons his bad dudes, and then they go to take them out, you know? Yeah. I think it would be a good recurring enemy where it's too powerful early on. Once your players level up, they can finally defeat it and get some good rewards from it. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I like it. That's that's sick. Thank you. I have like, I have like a fun little... Uh, venn diagram written here and i was trying to combine the ideas i have killing unicorns as a central idea <laughs> like terrible evil stuff <laughs> celestial augury these are actually divine monsters in the sense that they use their angelic ability to see into the future to divine where their prey is so okay. they can just they use divination magic to hone in and say the paladin is over in this section of the continent and then they jog there they just run straight up and then the third tenet was collecting horns i like this idea because i want to be able to expand on the horned hunters later like imagine if a horned hunter they have different abilities yeah. yes like imagine if a horned hunter killed a dragon Oh, that'd be and sick. then they become a dragon horn lord and they get like a breath weapon and other crazy stuff like it's or, trying to think of yeah what if a horn hunter there's a tiefling in the group and there's an encounter where it gets like half of his horn or something <gasps> Ooh. and then later on you can have a brother <laughs> that <laughs> would be one really... okay so <laughs> we're going back to tieflings which is great i don't but, know why um, that keeps happening no <laughs> that makes sense because what if a horned hunter kills a tiefling and then absorbs some of its abilities yeah maybe it gets some of its memories too and then you have a yeah, solid connection horns. with that yeah like it grows its horns and it can start casting player spells like yeah. that then 
my recurring bad guy gets stronger. Yeah, you could actually scenes. have your recurring bad guy slowly level up, like get weird new horns every time they encounter yeah. him. Like, while well, we've been gone, I killed a minotaur. Oh my know, god. Or whatever. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I would love that. Oh yeah, um, just uh, the last passing comment I would have to say about this is um, I did actually give the horned hunters the ability to shape change. So like some celestials and other deities can assume the form of an animal or something else. Just okay. to like well one with nature but also it's sneaky if they're hunters right right so they can take the form of a wolf or a bear or something they something can, not that menacing yeah so they can be not that menacing but also they can escape from anyone else's view if a bigger force tries to kill them they can hide whenever the actual gods show up to quell them they can just hide in nature like that yeah. Uh, That'd be a good encounter for them too, though. Like, imagine getting attacked by a pack of wolves just for them all to transform into these weird celestial abominations. Yes. Like, what the heck? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> actually the situation, out. Cody. Because the one stipulation to the shape change is that the horned hunters' horns will always manifest on their new shape, no matter what form they take. Yuna wolves. So, <laughs> so like this unihorn lord has three horns coming out the forehead, right? Yeah. Now imagine a dire wolf with these unicorn horns can... coming out of its head. Your players are going to be like, what is that? <laughs> that's scary and weird and I don't know what that is. But that's where the creature's hiding, you know? Yeah. I think that's a great feature because then other people with experience can go, I know exactly what you are. Yeah. But you have a bizarre wow moment for your characters when they show up and they're like, why are there ram horns coming out of this bear's head? Yeah, well, this doesn't that, make sense. That would be fun for later on in the campaign too to bring it back because they can have a callback, you know? Yeah. Be like, why are there moose antlers coming out of the rabbit? What yes. The fuck is that? That's actually that's a great point. Like, I made these weaker horned hunters the beast horned because of that because I want to use like elk horns or deer yeah. horns. I thought if you had a jackalope show up <laughs> yeah, and then like, they're like, "Ooh, it's a cute bunny," and it turns into full demon <laughs> form and skull bashes. Hours over you, yeah. Like, whoa. <laughs> that rabbit's getting bigger. <laughs> Dang. That's exactly what I want to have. Just like these crazy celestial tricksters that prey on calcium and horns, and then they adopt that magic into themselves. I think it's like an evolving enemy. Yeah, the horns are super unique. I never would have thought of that. That's right. really cool. That's, you know, just to be truly unique. That's why I've focused on that for yeah. this. Uh, but uh, enough about me. What did your character bring to the table? So funny enough. We actually had similar ideas. No! <laughs> it's completely different, but like there's gonna be a couple of times where you're like, oh, wow. Okay, you're much better at telling the story. You actually, outside of doors, you were telling me that you kind of come up with scenarios, like a little story lead up to these characters. Yeah, so a lot of it, I didn't write down. So I might be piecing this together a little rough. It's not organized. Right. Um, I didn't give him a name, but he could be the big bad and could deserve a name of his own. And he's not necessarily a species, like he's by himself. Okay. Just a villain. Fair. Or this could be a species. It could terrorize them for a whole like part of the game. Uh, I named it uh, Kabuki Demon. Kabuki Demon. Kabuki Demon. This is coming out of left field for me. <laughs> I don't see how this connects to the horn beast yeah. at all. So he's what you would think of, except more exaggerated demon features. Okay. So, uh, like the kabuki dancers, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, kabuki, are they wearing a full black garb? Are they, like, completely he's wearing, black? No, so he is colorful, though. Ooh. So he's got the red skin and the, the demon-y features on his face, but very um awkward, like a mask. It's not a mask, but it looks like a He mask. has a mask-like face, like a bizarro yep. artistic face. Yep. Okay. Lots of hair. 
like Jiraiya from Naruto kinds of hair. Okay. Um, and I was picturing very colorful clothing. So like like a like he's a theater guy. Like he's supposed yeah. to be doing theater. Okay. So like wearing the classic the stuff. like a kimono robe and it's exactly. got all these flowers coming yep. off of it. Yeah. Okay. Very colorful. Now, uh skin is white and red. Sorry. So it looks like he's wearing a bunch of makeup. Yeah. Hair color was supposed that's pitch black. Uh, and his eye color, his entire eye is pitch black as well. Classic demon. Gotcha. He gets more fun when I tell you his abilities. So a little bit of the lore I came up with him. Yes. Is uh, I, nobody, I didn't put anything of how he came to be, if he's a race of demon or if he's just a big bad. Okay. That doesn't matter. But he eats and lives off of driving people mad. So he loves torturing a soul until it goes completely nuts. And he drives them to suicide, and if they don't, he'll help you. Oh. <laughs> so that's how it starts. That's like his origin demon kind of stuff. Whenever he has finished killing somebody, he writes it down in his script. Uh, I picture him just with a book, and it just holds all of the people he's ever consumed or killed in it. Ooh. Every single one. And these things are generally around for thousands of years. So it's like a never-ending book. You can write in it, never runs out of page. They're genuinely immortal. Yep. Got and it. he calls it scripts. There's a, there's a uh, legend about him. He messed with an entire kingdom so relentlessly that the occupants either all committed suicide or left the continent altogether. They just <laughs> moved away. So there's this, just this massive, modern, abandoned kingdom that's crumbling and going to dust somewhere. And the reason for it they're explaining is because of Kabuki, which is interesting. Uh, I think that'd be a fun quest point to go to early because there's nothing there. Um, there could just be investigating or whatever. And that's how he attaches himself to one of the people. Ah, uh, so this Kabuki demon drove an entire kingdom out of its walls? Yep. Oh, so like the players would go into town and they would just find it ghost town, like derelict. Yes, but he didn't drive the kingdom out through brute force. He, he didn't scare them away as a monster. It would have to be madness. You're going, you're going to see some of the stuff he can do. I do think his item that I made for him, he has a small hand drum, you know, the roll ones, classic oh. Chinese, like roll, you know, <laughs> drums. Those are cute. I love yeah. those. And uh, if, I don't know if he just has to attune to somebody doing it. I said DNA, he gets a part of them. Okay. That's the only requirement. He can like attune it with his drum. And now he has exact knowledge, pinpoint accuracy of anywhere they are in the entire world. Ooh. It's like pinpoint. So they can't ever escape where he knows they are. He's attached to that one person. Got it. It'd be fun if that was a party member. But then it's going to make all a lot of sense now that I go into his abilities and stuff. He... Stats. Stats. Yes, Spread of stats. Tell me what he can do. Well, his skill checks, like uh, discipline is going to be plus eight, perception is plus four, and stealth is plus four. You're very stealthy. I, I imagine yep. that the first half of this monster encounter is it just trying to attach to one of your players. Yep. They don't make themselves known until the ambush is imminent. Well, even when he attaches, the fun part, because he's not a ghost or anything. He is physically there. He has his normal senses. He has a dark vision up to 60 feet and passive perception 14. Languages, common. And I think he knows a little bit of all of the languages that the party knows. Ooh. Just a little. Not okay. enough to be fluent, so this is going to be a tell for later. Um, because I gave him Shape Changer and Change Shape. He can shape shift into anything, and oh. then change shape. He can go small, medium, large, or giant to make himself huge or whatever. 
Um, so he's a complete uh, shape changer. Uh, he likes to look like people. He likes to go into cities and towns and like transform into a humanoid or whatever. He's a character. He's gonna put on a display. Exactly. He likes to fill he likes a, disguises. A, a role, something that he'd find in town. So he's reoccurring though, but you will never be able to know when or where it's gonna, everybody's just gonna be on edge the whole time because he just keeps popping up and you know he can look like anybody <laughs> and it makes it easy for him to escape as well. Uh, he has multi attacks, two attacks. Um, I gave him twin uh, swords to dual wield. All right. And a slingshot. The slingshot, another <laughs> unique item. The slingshot uh, shoots exploding fireworks well, it goes over there, and it's pretty strong. It uh, is a 1d8 magic damage on the slingshot. Oh, that sounds like a feature item then, just yeah, because- Yeah, that's his weapon. Okay, so he fights primarily with the sling. Yeah, if need be though, he's got the dual wield swords as well. Got he's it. Not, he's not a strength, like his uh, strength is only 16, but his charisma is really high because he's got a lot of spells, actually. So he's a spellcaster, yep. and I know that we're still new to brewing. I've actually only just recently started making spellcasting monsters, but how strong of a spellcaster is this Kabuki demon? So he doesn't have a lot of things that do too much damage. Okay. He mostly is to just, he's got a lot of annoying things. He can already shapeshift and turn into whatever. And I think he'd be a trickster too. So like uh, he can change into an animal and then make it giant. It's not gonna affect his stats, but it could be scary. I mean, he sounds like he just fucked with somebody. You freak out your characters, they go yeah. inside a door and they just find an overwhelming snake standing yeah. before them. He is magic resistant and uh, his magic, all of his attacks are uh, magic attacks. They're a magic weapon. Okay, yep. So that's Same. pretty cool. Uh, innate spell casting. So he doesn't need any of the uh, material components for these spells. Mm -hmm. uh, once a day, he can do fear, charm person, sleep, true polymorph. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So it goes on to the illusion factor, but also let's say you fight him and he does his chain shape shape changer baloney yeah uh it doesn't really matter it's just a spook tactic but the next time he does it you think that he's just scaring you again but actually he did turn into something crazy true polymorph like a dragon you could turn into that, that's what i'm getting at because <laughs> i want to see how powerful true, true polymorph, polymorph is, is very that's a powerful. ninth level transmutation yes you're giving this monster a ninth level look, spell look He's a trickster. He's not gonna summon Bro. a dragon with it. He is going to like trick you. He's gonna turn into a bear with his change uh, shape changer and change shape. And then after fighting for a while, then he just true polymorphs into an actual bear or something and he does more damage. Okay. It's, it's uh, made to be a trick. Okay, he, he focuses hard on the shape changing things. But I mean, he could turn into a dragon. <laughs> That's the it's, issue. It's so pretty strong. That's the only reason I'm saying this is zonked is because yeah. he could literally true polymorph into a dragon and then have all the hit points, spells, and abilities <laughs> yeah. of said dragon. That's just an extra boss that's it's way stronger. Powerful, yeah. It's It's, it's so, extremely powerful. So he won't use it for a dragon, <laughs> but I mean, he could. Twice a day, he can uh, use teleportation. And that combos with his uh, just knowing where the enemy is at all times, the one person he's attuned to. Okay. Because now he can not only just be there, but he's also looks like whatever's around you, like humans. So it can always, so many surprise attacks can happen with this. Magic or regeneration. Uh, regain 10 hit points at the start of its turn if it has at least one HP. What the heck? <laughs> Man, the how am I gonna the, compete? The Oni has that one. 
So, <laughs> I thought my monster was cracked. <laughs> so he gets 10 life points at the start of all of his turns, so you need to load the damage onto him. Oh, man. And he can shapeshift into a bunch of stuff. He doesn't hit that hard, but he does get two attacks. Question, question. Uh, does your monster have any resistances, immunities, or vulnerabilities? Resistant to magic. And I deliberately didn't give him very much other stuff. I did give him four legendary resistances, depending okay. on how big of a creature he is later. I want to say that I used the unicorn as my actual template. I, I took a lot of abilities from the unicorn just for the starting section. So the horned hunters have the same immunities, which is they're immune to poison damage. Yeah. They're immune to charmed, paralyzed, and poisoned. And also they too have magic weapons and magic resistance. So this is, a it's meant to be a CR7 monster where the players are just getting to their magic items. So there's something yeah. to compete with and they can overcome damage resistance like any other fifth level. Stuff, yeah. Right. Just, just magic resistance, that's all he's got. Just magic resistance. So he does okay. take, he takes a, uh, a little bit of damage there. He also has darkness and invisibility. So this guy's just, so far, just annoying. Okay. Like he just keep disappearing and getting away and all this stuff. He's a trickster. Where my monster's the hunter, yours yep. is the trickster. And you're still, like, targeting and baiting on people, but you're hiding in the shadows. Yep. Uh, he also has a, an attack, Cone of Cold. That one does his effect damage. Okay. I wanted, like, the same idea of Cone of Cold, but with fire, because he's a demon. But I couldn't make that work very well. There are spells for that. I think uh, Agonizer Scorcher has a similar effect where you just spray fire in a cone. We got those. Yeah. Here's another fun part. On that drum I was talking about, when it's attuned to that person and he knows where they are at all times, uh -huh. it also lets him telepathically talk to them whenever he wants. The idea is he's in your head driving you crazy. Oh. When everybody else is doing a long rest and sleeping, he's just talking and trying to get the guy to do things and get in his head and plant his seeds. Ooh. So that person is just slowly losing it. That's how you, as the dungeon master, would just have an event every single night when everyone <laughs> goes to bed. People are posting watch like normal. People just want to move on with the day. And that one player who's been tethered by the Kabuki demon has to sit there and go, when are the voices going to stop? Yeah. Please get out of my head. Yeah, he's going nuts. And I think it'd be cool because uh, he likes to torment these people and make them do things and all this. That uh, he could be making people do things when they're sleeping as well. Like you could have people in town going missing or whatever and upon investigation or whenever you found out that it was actually your player your friend but it wasn't him like it's fine All and you're right. not ruining his reputation or anything it'd be a fun way to cause a personal like issue with this guy like he's not just annoying anymore Ooh. he's actually doing things i can see that uh i think it might be better to focus more on that immaterial aspect like genjutsu from naruto if yeah. we're gonna call it that I would say uh, that sounds a lot like the dream spell where you actually transport yourself into someone else's dreams and you can manipulate and distort those yeah. dreams. The better thing about your monster is that if it can control people in their dreams, maybe the monster is hiding far away and they rely on getting the players to fight themselves in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like you send the, the Kabuki demon uh, tethers to the fighter. The fighter goes to bed and starts having these maddening dreams. 
they fail a will save or a wisdom save. At that point, your fighter becomes puppeted by your Kabuki demon yeah. who's playing with their emotions and dreams. And in their dreams, the fighter's trying to slash and kill all these demons around him. But then when he wakes up, he realizes that he's actually attacking his sleeping yeah, friends. Exactly. And they all wake up going, what the fuck? Everyone grab arms, the fighter's gone AWOL. Yeah, I think that'd be a fun, like, uh, villain that would be coming back for all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But a cool thing about him, like, as he's been bugging these players for a while, maybe he just goes away for a long time, give enough time for people to forget about him a little bit. Okay. Now, let's say your players are about to beat, like, a, a boss of a dungeon. What if he just teleported in, made a show, because that's what he does, <laughs> grabs the bad guy before he dies and teleports back out. And, <laughs> Magic man! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just shows up, gives them a little play, fucks with them, and then just leaves with their, their bad guy. He saves the bad guy? Yeah, because, that's the worst! Well, maybe he does it a couple of times, and you're like, what the hell? And then, the next time you encounter him, he's here with the bad guys, healed up, and he's like, oh no! Get him. <laughs> like, he's storing them for this moment. Oh, crud okay that could be really interesting that would be fun if you had a whole wuxia adventure yeah. where your players are journeying through the land of reeds they're climbing up the mountaintop to fight a rakshasa like an actual yeah. asian demon and then your kabuki demon who's been following they've been following the crew for a long time they lie and wait till everyone's forgotten and jump through and save the rakshasa then yeah. that's two demons working together you could have like a whole Dude, demon a whole slayer thing. adventure exactly. in that well, and teleportation, the spell, lets you teleport with up to eight other people. So he could just pop back in with up to eight people and Ooh. just be like, here you go. He's, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> he's a bit overpowered he's for CR7. It's something to brew on, but the concept that your original ideas are grounded. I want to say that my horned hunters are balanced, but I've probably lacked a lot of potential for creativity because you let your imagination just go. You just let this creature organically come into being. So we looked at it from two different perspectives. I looked at it through the rule book and you looked at it through the storyline. That's cool. Wow. I actually, we didn't do the weapons, did we? Not really. I mean, I talked You mentioned about the my... drum? The drum and my uh, slingshot. Oh, okay, so those are actually the artifacts. Yep, and then my twin swords are just my twin swords. So, they're just regular swords. Regular swords, artifact, sling, and drum. Uh, do those have any special abilities tied to them? So, yeah, all of the things the drum did. The drum, which basically lets you tune in and locate a person to no matter something where. you're attuned to. You can also talk to them. Got it. So that's just special to him, but I mean, if somebody got it, maybe they could use it, I don't know. Um, and then the slingshot, just a really strong weapon, actually. It does the same damage as a crossbow. Okay. So it's pretty good, actually. That's fair. I was imagining the slingshot deals like 3d6 extra fire damage because you're whipping explosives out of it. That's yeah. pretty cool. You're, and they're, yeah, magical damage. It does pretty good amount of damage. By itself, if you added the fire damage, that'd be like 1d... Man, you'd have like 13 on the stack right there. 13? Like, uh, it does 1d8 damage already. So you would do that plus your extra 1d... What was it? 1d4? 1d4. Yeah, with those spells and that amount of damage just coming out of a slingshot, this guy is probably strong enough for 13 to 15th level <laughs> characters. This slingshot's pretty cool. But that's still a great idea. We need, we need monsters well, for every level. he slowly gets stronger, too, though. I mean, I gave him all the stuff so he can scale. Like, you know, he's not get rid of true polymorph until they're stronger. Okay, you know? that's fair. So he's pretty 
pretty cool. If we tried to go down to CR7, then we might say that the true polymorph is just a regular polymorph, uh, just so that they can get yeah. away. Uh, I would love it if this monster was that very passive, conniving trickster in the shadows. Mine's the hunter. Mine wants to get in your face, but your monster wants to sit there for the long yeah. game and really work on one person. I can imagine them rolling the drums in their hands, and then whenever the player goes to sleep at night, they just hear dun, 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 yeah. dun, the drums of war welling up in them. I feel like we followed instructions differently again, <laughs> because I created an actual artifact. So this is an example of an item that a horned hunter unihorn lord would be holding. This is an item that would boost their CR up to 9 or 10. This is called the Fallen Diva's Halo. Now, the scenario is that the big bad is this unihorn lord who's actually managed to kill an angel. Yeah. They fought a diva with their underlings and killed them, and they don't have any horns on the diva, so he steals the halo, and then he wields that like a chakram, like an enchanted radiant chakram that he can whip at people, and it's just full of this divine energy. But just like the unihorn lord and the rest of the beast horned or the horned hunters, it's corrupt celestial energy. The Fallen Diva's Halo functions as a martial melee weapon. It's called a Chakram. I decided to give it 1d6 as the base damage die. It has the traits Finesse, Light, and Throne, so you can do it like a dagger or anything like that. It is a plus two weapon. It also deals an extra 2d10 slashing damage if you hit a Fey or celestial creature with this weapon. So just its base stats, pretty good, pretty geeked out. The abilities it has, thrower. This is the Thor ability where you throw the weapon no, and it comes right back that. to your hand. I thought that would be really fun to play with. You just have the Unihorn Lord just whips out this crazy halo and sails around the room and comes back to his hand. He catches it. That's the biggest anime thing ever. I love that. Taste for blood. The Fallen Davis Halo, it craves the blood of its enemies, so when you cut someone, if you cut a Celestial or a Fae with this item, the Chakram remembers them, and the Chakram will essentially follow them like a compass. You would whip the Chakram out and it will always sail in the direction of the prey you're trying to hunt, oh. and as, as long as they are on the same plane of existence, the Chakram will know exactly where they are and guide you to them. So it's like a compass weapon that wants to kill people. Uh, Ickerbane. If this weapon were to be in the presence of someone casting healing energy, you can use a reaction with the halo to make that healing spell heal the least amount of damage possible. So oh, okay. like someone's casting cure wounds at third level on you. Cure wounds is gonna be 3d8 plus your wisdom mod. So that's pretty good, but if I use the halo and respond to that, all of those eight-sided dice just roll one. Just one on the die, so you would only heal seven HP oh, for a third-level spell. You just nerf their entire heal, yeah. and then all of your players will get mad at you. <laughs> it's just evil. Dang. I did put a curse here. This weapon is cursed. If anyone attunes to it, like let's say the players kill the Unihorn Lord and they take the halo off of them. Halo is a magic weapon that requires attunement. They attune to this halo, they bear the curse of it now, and the halo's curse is that you must kill one celestial, fey, or good aligned creature 
every day. You have to murder something every day. Otherwise, when you wake up, the halo is going to deal psychic damage to you. You have like a shock that goes through your body whenever you wake up. So it's just gonna punish you if you don't crave its bloodlust, if you don't feed it or satiate it. The solution to this issue, you can break the curse by destroying the halo. To do so, you and the players have to find a solar or a planetar, which is a higher level angel. You can also find the deva's body that the halo was taken from and return it to its dead body. You can kind of complete the corpse and allow them to have amnesty to move on into the next life. So there is a way to get out of the curse. There is a way to foil it. Interesting. I thought it would be really fun to just have some divine adventures where players are, they start out really hopeful and faithful and they have to face all these crazy monsters coming at them, but then they have to realize what is the nature of divinity? What is the nature of good and bad? You know, it's the whole alignment argument all over again. Yeah, interesting. It'd be cool if you had a way to uh, absorb healing spells as well. Like instead of just nerfing <laughs> it, if you try to heal your friend, he gets that buff Ooh. instead. Yeah, you that only would be do fun. it one time before you're like, oh, I ain't doing that again, you know? I never thought about it that way, just because I gave my Unicorn Lord the ability to heal other guys anyway, so. Yeah. But that is really cool. Well, Siphon energy. You can energy. combo that too, because if his friends are there, the people you summoned, and they're going to heal anyone. Doesn't even have to be by him. He just absorbs that. So you can spam their heals too. Oh, okay. I can see that happening for sure. Yeah, I didn't make mine crazy. What if, here's another one, what if uh, that's an item, so if he dies, can a player character grab that? Yeah, that was the idea. But they'd have to murder? Well, yes, you would have to <laughs> murder someone for it, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, for That fulfills curse, the quest. Yeah. The curse is, what if you have a greedy party member who sees someone struggling to uphold it? They're like, I don't hold the same morals as you, Paladin. I'm going to take the halo from you. I'm going to kill you as I do it. Dang. <laughs> that's a fun way to have an alignment shift for your character character yeah. and then they also gain the weapon out of the deal but i don't advocate for player on player violence unless both players are in agreement that this is going to forward the story or the plot yeah. there are some specific situations for that uh just a dm's discretion note that can get out of hand really quick when you have special artifacts like this pvp and then, is uh, dangerous pvp is dangerous i've seen it happen a couple times in some of my games it's not gone well uh this is a fun anecdote i actually had a game where the players were trying to complete a ritual for a thunder god to come down and save the realm from cataclysm but they were fighting over a scepter they found inside a treasure room it was a monk and a ranger and the monk found this staff he doesn't usually use weapons but the staff had this uh healing ability to it it, it could restore hit points at will i forget exactly the stats but he really wanted to keep this staff, even though the uh, cleric would have needed it best. The ranger was arguing with him about it. They ended up fucking killing each other in the process of fighting over this staff. And the worst part about it is that the monk had a special tattoo on his arm that was necessary to the ritual for the storm god to come down. So one key performer of the ritual fucking offed himself over a small minor magical item. And I was what? like, what? Are you kidding me? 
player on player, it's just, it derails your whole campaign, really. When it's toxic, because even if the next player comes back, oh. especially if you just killed somebody else's player. Yeah, there's definitely going to know? be an altercation. Like, uh, I've listened to quite a few RPG horror stories in my time. I've been through a few of them myself, and uh, it's not fun. The best thing to do is to just forgive and forget, let your characters move on, and start fresh with someone new. Sometimes that player isn't the right fit for your group anyways, and you'll have to ask them to kindly find a different game. Yeah. But when you're a dungeon master like us, who creates the Kabuki Demon or the <laughs> Unihorn Lord, and you throw these at your players, people are going to start boiling over, man. We created some mean monsters. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to. <laughs> I would love for my Unihorn Lord to be like a mastermind, kind of like that mind flare for a low-level party, oh, just yeah. something to work up towards. I would love to brew multiple different uh, horned hunters, have little different variations, a drake horn, a dragon that horn. That would be really cool. Yeah, no just a whole order of their species yeah that'd be super cool your kabuki demon oh yeah so um what was your inspiration for this creature actually it just feels so out of left field <laughs> for you i did not expect you to go asian why uh why so, i don't know man i was just sitting there when i was trying to think of it and i was watching naruto and, uh, <laughs> i knew it i yeah, said naruto i know and uh Jiraiya has a skit where he does, so does Naruto, where they uh, do the kabuki like garb with their hand out, you know? <laughs> and the drums are going, oh. Oh, cool. So I was just like, oh, that's cool. So I was like, <laughs> I'll just make one of those guys. Certified weebs here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the both of us. I didn't go Naruto. I didn't want him to make him a ninja or anything. That's fair. I was actually thinking with the, the twin swords, the blue spirit in Naruto, or uh, Avatar. Avatar. Yes. Yeah, you know. The blue spirit with cool. that two swords style that's very cool and i'm thinking actually. when he uses them he's doing a dance you know it's not like because i mean he's oh. a like he's not uh clumsy you know okay. everything he does is a flow or rhythm of some kind right um, he's exaggerated as heck that would be a fun thing to incorporate with your creature is that your kabuki demon might have some of that way of the drunken fist monk abilities yeah. like uh the drunken fist monk in 5e for dungeons and dragons they have an ability where they can make an attack and then they can move 15 feet without provoking attacks of opportunity. That's a good idea. So your monster, your monster is actually so strong that I might say it has legendary actions. Are you familiar uh, with those too much? I have not seen too much of them. So let's say your Kabuki Demon is actually the boss monster. We're brewing this on the spot, okay? All right. Your Kabuki Demon, uh, they get legendary actions and legendary actions are rationed out in tokens. You would have three tokens to expend between a whole round of combat and specifically your legendary actions are taken on other people's turns. So we get to the point where all of the party members are finally gearing up to fight. They're like, we're done with you Kabuki Demon, stop haunting our dreams, we're coming after you. So how does he fight back against all that? How does he fight back against 13th level characters? What yeah. he does is that you would have a legendary action waltz 15 feet in combat. Legendary action reacts to an attack, deflect it. And that's that's the sword dance that the blue yeah, spirit's doing. That really cool. That's the fun flow of it. And then on your actual turn, your kabuki demon is doing charms and fear spells to mess yep. with everybody. And then they do all their combat reactions in the middle of combat. You could have, I think we could add a lot, or like we could really hone and refine this monster to be a boss level threat. Yeah, he's pretty cool. 
I think he's very cool. I'm impressed with him. Mine are just the toadies. Mine are the celestial flunkies kicked out of the academy, and they're they're like demon wannabes. But honestly, they're strong. I mean, oh, they're strong dude, and they're mean. They're stronger than demon too because they have the all the good stuff on their side. Yeah, like they're almost geared up to fight against demons themselves, but not really. They're geared up to fight against other celestials. So. Uh, back to spellcasting, I asked you if yours was a spellcaster. Mine also has innate spellcasting where, oh, oh yeah, this is a fun detail. The Unihorn Lord actually has a weakness. Okay. The weakness is called Horn Vulnerability. And this is basically if the players find out that the magic is coming from the horns on the monster, they can either target the horns directly, destroy them, or they can just keep hurting the monster and then there's a chance that the horns break because yeah. they're not actual forms from the monster. They just grow them out of their body once they acquire them. So my ruling here was uh, whenever the Unihorn Lord gets to 33% of its total HP, it has a 50% chance for one of its horns breaking. And when the horn breaks, it loses the power from that unicorn that it ate and it will lose some armor class, and it also loses two of the spells that it has. So it's a it's a tough monster, but I wanted to provide an avenue for our players to fight back against it. Like, yeah. if you put a chink in its armor, you realize, wait, this monster is beatable. It's really tough at the beginning, but if you can slog through, you can actually beat him on the very end. You could get his armor class as weak as 15 from 18. It's an intimidating creature, but the more you fight it, the more you'll surmount it. I think that would be a really fun energy to give to your players, where they start out doom and fear, and then they realize, wait, I got the hand of this. I'm actually strong enough to fight these guys. Well, because you're going to, the spellcaster and the paladin are going to be like, oh man, what do I do? And then you have the uh, barbarian who's just going to hit him harder. <laughs> He's going to be the one to figure it out. The barbarian never dumps, dude. <laughs> the barbarian is the one that's like, okay, well, yeah. did you try hitting him harder? <laughs> Gornak the barbarian, whenever he's in a bad situation, he's just going to go, I'm going to hit it more <laughs> yeah. until it stops moving. And it works. <laughs> yeah, it does actually. Surprisingly, the barbarian is that diehard character. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, I should say. Uh, your cleric, your, your weak spellcasters, the bard, they're going to dip. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny to think, uh, this seems like a threat that would need more you know pizzazz like between those guys and that's just brute strength man just when in doubt strength them out bro <laughs> <laughs> that's what we knights do best i do play a lot of fighters personally so whenever i i will just say from my player perspective i often get into those situations where you're just like i'm gonna power through i'm gonna fight this thing as Dungeon Masters, we want our players to learn you should run away from some certain combats, but this is what walks the line of it, where well, my, my monster's geared to be run away from, but then you'll eventually want to stand and fight it. Well, and especially if it comes back two times. Two By times. that third time, I'm gonna be like, dude, we gotta kill it. It ain't gonna stop. You know, like, <laughs> we have to hold around. Yeah. He's just gonna come back stronger. <laughs> <laughs> your monster is quite sneaky. I think your monster doesn't necessarily. I think that people would run away from them at first, and then your monster would hide when the players start getting too strong to deal with it. Yeah. I think well, that's the fun I picture thing. him running away a lot. Like, even when he doesn't need to, it's probably gonna sound, you know, like you're giving your players an out. 
but his whole goal is just to mess with you enough until you're tasty enough to eat or whatever. Ooh, the, the so the sanity is the yeah. flavor inside you. So like, he's got to do it. They want to torture you with all their different characters until you become a shrieking effigy yep. of yourself. So they just keep showing up and they keep disappearing and they got so many tricks up their sleeve uh, <laughs> until eventually you're ready and hopefully you're ready because he's pretty strong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for him at all. I'm going to run from that guy in a different direction as soon as possible. Yeah, he's a, he's a tough one. <laughs> what an artistic display. I, I really like the visuals going on here. I went for something that just looks like a classic Bible goat. You know, uh, like, the, like the demons you find in a 1980s Bible. And then you have something totally out of left field for me. <laughs> it's so colorful and vibrant. Yeah, it's not what I was originally thinking of either. I do, I will say when I was doing research for this uh, and looking at all of the other, you know, monsters' abilities and stuff, that was really cool. I found some that I just want to fight someday. Oh, yeah. They're really cool. Don't worry. We're going to save these monsters. I think these would great, unique encounters to throw down the line. I think that we could start to put together our own custom dungeon, our own custom adventure in a little bit. Like, through the High Knight's experience, we could create this whole high tale of fantasy. And this fantasy is going to feature some of these crazy, zany monsters we brewed up. So thank you for sharing that with me today. That was wonderful to behold. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I'm excited. All right, I'm signing off. Thanks so much for listening to us. This has been Ross. And this is Dakota. See you around.